0: Now, every week, I've said basically the same thing, that that God has never made a copy of anything, that he only makes originals. He has never made a copy of a tree or a plant or an animal, and he has never made a copy of you. Sometimes we wonder that, don't we? I wonder if I have a twin out there that's exactly like me. Forget it. It doesn't exist. He's never made another you, There never has been another you and there never will be another you. God designed you as an original. Why? Because originals are far more valuable than a copy. The Bible says that God planned you before you were born, that he thought you out and he dotted all the I's and he crossed all the T's. And so he has a purpose for your life and he has a plan for your life. And you have a unique shape that will enable you to fulfill that unique purpose and plan. God made you so that you could accomplish what he wants you to accomplish. And that will only happen if you are you. Now those things are called your shape. Take a look at Job chapter 10 verse 8. God hand-shaped me and made me. God planned you for for a a unique purpose, and he has shaped you to fulfill it. And that shape is an acrostic here at LifePoint. It stands for your spiritual gifts, your heart, your ability, your personality, and your experiences in life. Those five things make you you. They make you different from everybody else in the world. Several weeks ago, we took a look at the S, your spiritual gifts, and we asked the question, What am I gifted to do? Last week, we took a look at the H, your heart, your passions, your dreams, the things that you're interested in, and we asked the question, What do I love to do? Today, we're going to take a look at A, your abilities. And we're going to ask the question, what am I naturally able to do? Now before we answer that question, we've got another person in the pew interview. Marty.
1: Hey, Pastor George. Today, I have Charlotte Millsap with me. Now, Charlotte is homegrown. She has been with this church since she was five years old. She went to school with my daughter, Kara, so I love Charlotte and I know her well. So Charlotte, tell
2: me about your spiritual
1: gifts or your shape.
2: Um, so I feel like one of my spiritual gifts would be um, the gift of, of administration.
1: So how, how do you use that gift in what you're doing here at the church? And you're working, I understand, in women's right now? Yes.
2: Okay. Yes, so I'm on our little committee of women for our women's ministry, Um, and so we put together the loop um, and all the women's events and help women get plugged in and ministered to.
1: Now, what what do you do exactly with the loop? Kind of organize events and reach out to people. What what do you?
2: So I help put together the events, um, help make sure there's different aspects so that everyone's getting poured into and they're getting their different needs met, um, and also helping us all be able to use our individual abilities and shapes to minister to others as well.
1: That's awesome. Now, that's not the
2: only place I see you. I see you in other places. What else do you do here? Um, I'm also on our worship team. I sing and do piano, and I'm also a sixth grade small group leader in student ministries.
1: Who says millennials are only about themselves? All right. (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) You are such a star-studded example, but... Now, tell me, like at the end of the day, when you, I mean, obviously you're doing stuff on Wednesday nights with the students, then you're doing stuff with the loop, which happens also during the week, and then you have your Sundays that you're using to worship. What, what does it feel like when you know that you're, that you're volunteering, you're doing what God's called you to do? Tell me how that makes you feel.
2: Um, I just feel poured into and fulfilled. That's how I get filled up, um, is just finding my place in this church and God's family and community. Um, just being able to minister to others and be poured into at the same time. It's just how my um, shape of the puzzle fits in.
1: Thank you. We love you. Our very own homegrown
0: Charlotte Woo! All right, Charlotte. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Last week I mentioned that if you use your shape, you're going to have two results in your life. You're going to be fruitful and you're going to be fulfilled. Today, we're going to take a look at the A of shape, your abilities, and we're going to ask the question, what am I naturally able to do? And in order to answer that question, we have to address a couple of things. We have to understand what my abilities are, and then secondly, I have to understand how to engage them or use them. First... Understanding my abilities. Take a look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 6. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. will you circle the phrase each of us. What God is saying here is this, that there is no such thing as a no-talent person. Oftentimes, we don't act that way. A lot of times, we, we, we don't think that we have talents at all. But folks, we do. The problem is this. We, with most people, is that we know what we're not good at as opposed to what we are good at. If I came up to you and I asked you, hey, tell me 50 things that you're not good at, you'd rip those off lickety-split. If I asked you, tell me 50 things that you are good at, you'd hem-haw around. And yet research shows that the average person has five to 700 different abilities. Now understand something, folks. We live in Collin County. We are above average, okay? And we're definitely better than those Presbyterians down the street, is what I say. And yet, when we look at those, but we don't think of them as, uh, uh, as, as abilities, because they're natural to us. But they are. As your pastor, my job, truly is to help you discover what your talents and what your abilities are and get them engaged for the glory of God and for the good of other people. And so the first thing we need to understand is that there's no such thing as a no talent person. Everybody has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of talents. The second thing we need to understand is that we all have a different mix of talents, just like we have different shapes. And my guess is you've looked around and you've noticed physically that there are a lot of different shapes in this sanctuary right now. Truly, some of you are shaped like basketball players. When you sit down, it still looks like you're standing up. You know what I'm talking about? And some of you are like horse jockeys. I mean, when you stand up, we still think you're sitting down type of a thing. Some of you are shaped like bodybuilders, kind of like me. Okay, that was good though, I'm glad you laughed. Some of us are shaped like ballerinas. Folks, we all have different shapes. So too, we all have a different mix of talents and abilities. Now the problem in our culture, especially when it comes to education, is that we treat everybody the same. Though we all look different, though we all, uh, uh, yeah, though we all look different, though we all look, uh, yeah, though we all look different, though we all learn different, though we all have different talents, folks, our culture likes to force us into a mold. And especially when it comes to education, we give all of our kids. Standardized tests. I don't know what they're called today, but in my day it was ACT and SAT scores. The problem with those tests is that they only measure one kind of intelligence. And yet we know today that there are probably 13 to 16 different forms of intelligence. And so what our culture does is it seeks to force us to learn the same way. And even though we all learn differently, and although we all have different abilities, they seek to push us into a mold. You have different abilities. And guess what? They're all important. Let me read a story to you. I don't like to read things, but I think this one is worth reading. Once upon a time, In a far distant land, there were some animals who decided to start a school for animals. They decided the course would include running, climbing, swimming, and flying. Then they decided that all the animals should take all the courses. That's where the problem started. The duck was better than his teacher at swimming but he only made passing grades in flying and was very poor in running. So they made him stop swimming and stay after school to practice running. This caused his web feet to be badly worn and his grade dropped to average in swimming. But everybody felt less threatened, the dumbing down. Everybody felt less threatened and more comfortable with that except the duck. The rabbit started at the top of his class in running but because so much makeup, because of so much makeup work in swimming, he caught pneumonia and had to drop out of school. The squirrel showed outstanding ability in climbing, but he was extremely frustrated in flying class because the teacher insisted that he start at the at, at ground level rather than at the top of the trees. He developed Charlie horses from overextension, so he, he only got a C in climbing and a D in running. The eagle was a problem student and was disciplined for being a nonconformist. For instance, in climbing classes, he beat all the others to the top of the tree, but he insisted on using his own way to get there. Finally, because he refused to participate in swimming, uh, the swimming class, he was expelled. Folks, the point is that God designed special animals to excel in specific areas and he doesn't expect them all to do all the other things. So too, God has designed specific people to excel in specific areas and he doesn't expect them all to do all the other things. When you expect everybody to be forced into a mold to conform to whatever standards there may be, you are building frustration into that person. You are robbing them of confidence, and you are lowering people to mediocrity. A duck was made to be a duck, and you were made to be you. God has given you some unique abilities and he wants you to use them that fit you. Now there is a third thing that we need to understand and that God in giving you these unique abilities wants you to use them the way that he has intended for you to use them which is called his will. Your abilities are a map of to God's will for your life. It points you in the direction that God wants you to go. When you know what you are good at, then you know what God wants you to do with your life. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 13 verse 21. God will equip you with all you need for doing what? His will, he has equipped you, how? With your shape, your spiritual gifts, your heart, your ability, your personality, and your experiences in life. Those are an indicator of the direction that God wants you to go in. Now notice something, that he doesn't say that God gives you all the abilities that you want that other people have. Singing like this person, cooking like that person, talking like another person, looking good like me, okay? He doesn't give all those to everybody, okay? He has predetermined the abilities that he wants you to have. And if he didn't want you to have them, folks, you wouldn't have them. So what does this mean? This means that you and I, need to stop comparing ourselves to other people, and we need to stop trying to be other people. God made you to be you, and he has a specific will for your life that he wants you to fill. And as you do that, that gives God pleasure. It puts a smile on his face when he sees you using your abilities that fit you, and you are using them in the right way for the right reasons. God doesn't give abilities without him having a purpose for you using them. If he's given you that ability, folks, he wants you to use them. I get asked all the time, Pastor George, how do I decide what I'm supposed to do with my life? How am I supposed to decide what classes I should take in college? Who I should marry? What kind of career that I should pursue? And you know, I answer those questions all the same way. Take a look at your shape. Function follows form. We talked about this last week. How God has made you determines what God wants you to do. And every ability that you have, folks, comes from God. And he doesn't want them wasted. And all of them are important. None of them are accidental. Accidental. Some time ago, I went through the Bible just to see all the different abilities that are out there. And I'm gonna give you just a smidget of the abilities that God says that he has given that he blesses when you and I use them for the right reason in the right way. God says, I give honor to athletic ability, artistic ability, architectural ability, administration, baking, boating, candlestick making, debating, designing, embalming, embroidering, engraving, poetic ability, farming, fishing, gardening, leading, managing, masonry, uh, molding, musical, making of weapons, needlework, painting, planning, philosophizing, playing video games. I just threw that one in there, okay? Just see if you're paying attention. Sailing ability, selling, soldiering, ta- tailoring, teaching, tent making, writing, and on and on and on. It's just a smidgen of them. And all of them were given to you by purpose. You have, all of us have a different mix. All of them came from God. All of them can be used by God. And all of them have a purpose on this earth. God says, I gave you your abilities and that is a good direction to help you understand what my will is for your life. In other words, your abilities are your calling. Oh, Pastor George, that can't be true. Only people of the cloth that wear a collar around there, are called of God. That is not true. And yet we, a lot of people think that way, that only nuns and priests and bishops and popes are called by God, and yet the Bible is very clear that every member is a minister. Every person has been called by God. First, you have been called to salvation. If you're not saved yet, guess what? You don't have a spiritual gift. You have natural abilities that you got at birth when he made you, but you don't have spiritual gifts. First, you're called into salvation, and then you are called into service. You and I have a calling on our life. You have a life mission. You have a life message. You have a life goal. You have a life purpose. How do you know what your life calling is? Look at your shape. In other words, what I am able to do, God wants me to do. God expects you to use what he has given you and he expects you to use them in six different ways. Will you write these down? First of all, he expects you to use them to honor God. Your abilities, whether it's embalming or embroidering, are to be used to honor God. Take a look at 1 Corinthians ten thirty one. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That means all the abilities that I just mentioned, and those are just a smidget of them, can be used for the glory of God. And guess what? All of them are important. Carpentry is just as important as computer skills. Masonry is just as important as preaching on Sunday morning. Folks, they're all important. Whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Secondly, my abilities can be used to serve others. They're not just for my benefit. 1 Peter 4.10, God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. Will you circle the phrase, help each other? Now here is the deal with that phrase. What that means is that you need me and I need you. We need each other. What that means is that you need the person next to you and that person needs you. So right now, just turn to him and say, I need you. Just go ahead and do that. I need you, I need you. We need each other. Doesn't that feel good? Feels a little weird too. You sit next to someone single. I need you, okay? That's not a proposal, folks. That's not a proposal. Folks, I'm good at things that you're not good at. And and you are good at things that I'm not good at. We need each other. That is why you need a church family. You cannot grow up to be a spiritually mature person until you are committed to the church. That's why we offer step one. That's why I would encourage you, take out your communication card, sign me up. I'll be there next Sunday. We'll give you lunch and we'll talk to you about the church and all that kind of stuff. Because we are better together. Truly, if you want to be successful in life, and who doesn't want to be successful? There are a couple of keys that I would encourage you in, and that is one, build on your strengths, make them better. But number two, team up with people who are good at what you are not good at. This is the secret of Life Point Church, folks. We, I've just built people, I know what my weaknesses are. I, I live at 40,000 feet. <laughs> Details, huh, I, I could care less about them. We're going in this direction, okay? But what has made us successful is we all understand I'm good at some things and you're, you're, and you're good at some things and we appreciate one another. And by the way, that's what marriage is supposed to be, isn't it? God has put us together to complement each other's strengths and, and to compensate for each other's weaknesses. But oftentimes in marriage, what do we do? We compete with each other's strengths and we criticize each other's weaknesses. Not a good thing to do. Let me give you an example. 29 years into my marriage with Cheryl. She came to me, we're in Van Alstyne. She asked, George, I'd like to take over the finances. What do you think? Why? Well, to be honest with you, I don't think you do them very well. It brings, a lot of <laughs> it brings a lot of insecurity into my life. You see, I thought I was supposed to do the finances because I was the head of the family. And yet I wasn't really that good. Even if you come up to me today, George, what's the cash flow of Life Point Church? <laughs> Go talk to Dennis. Cheryl and I have been able to make it 45 years because we complement each other's strengths, okay? And we compensate for each other's weaknesses. That's a key to successful relationships. God says, I expect you to use your abilities to honor me, to serve other people. Number three, to make a living God says, I gave you abilities to make a living so that you can support yourself, so that you won't mooch off of other people. Take a look at Deuteronomy 8.18. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Did you know that producing wealth is an ability? And some of you are really good at it. You have an amazing ability to make money. Can you make money to the glory of God? Absolutely. If you honor him, if you're grateful to him, if you're a giver, if you're living the right way, if you're doing those things, guess what? That brings glory to God. God has given some of you an amazing ability just to do businesses, to start businesses, why might he have he, why might have he done something like that? Because maybe he wants you to fund some life point projects that are going to start in the future, and we'll be rolling some of those out in, in the spring. Number four: you are to use your abilities to be an example to others. God says, I want you to be a witness, a testimony. I want you to be an example to other people. Take a look at 1 Timothy 4.15. Put these abilities to work. Throw yourself into your tasks so everyone may notice your improvement and progress. God wants people to notice your good works. He wants them to notice how you are making progress, how reliable you are, how hardworking you are, how dependable you are, how skilled his kids are, so that he gets honor. The fifth is this. God says, I want you to use your abilities, your skills to have money to share, to have money to share with people who can't work, who are poor for whatever reason reason. Take a look at Ephesians 4.28. Begin using your hands for honest work and then give generously to others in need. Now, here's the point. At some point in time in your life, you're going to have to decide this. When enough is enough. How do you know when enough is enough? Howard Hughes was asked that question one time. You know, hey, what would make you happy? I mean, you're you're worth billions of dollars. And he said, just a little bit more. Guess what that's called? That's called materialism. What's materialism? it's when you and I haven't learned to live within our income and we always want more. Isn't it amazing how you and I are barely surviving today on an income 20 years ago we thought would be plenty? God says at some point in time, you and I have to decide when enough is enough. Now, when that happens, what do you do? Do you stop working? No. You keep working, but now you're making it to give away. Notice in that verse, it says, give generously. God says he wants you and I to be generous givers, and we can never outgive God. As I like to say, you give to get to give to get, and it always ends on giving. God blesses generous people. So, God says, I've I've given you abilities to honor me, to serve others, to make a living, to be an example, to have money to pass on to other people. And then the last one, to build up the church. We all know what the church is. It is the family of God. And everyone in a family, a typical family, is to contribute to the family. Some take out the trash, some do the dishes, some clean the house, some mow the yard, okay? But we're a family. And the family is to build up one another through the talents that have been given to it. Take a look at this out of Ephesians 4 verse 12. Why is it that God gives us these special abilities to do certain things best? Great question. It is that God's people will be equipped to do better work for him, building up the church, the body of Christ, to a position of strength and maturity. Did you know that God expects you to use your abilities to help your church family? He does. Now, I know some of us are sitting here and we're thinking, well, I don't have anything to offer to the church. I mean, the abilities that I use at, 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 at work, surely the church can't use those. You're wrong. You are dead wrong. I don't know if you realize this. But at Christmas and Easter, everybody shows up at church that calls Life Point Church Their spiritual home. People come to church now about once every six weeks. When they're in problems, they're here every week. At Christmas and Easter, we will run about 2,800 people. That is the size of a small city. How many abilities are needed to run a small city? Lots of them. Have you ever thought why God might have brought you here? Let me tell you why. Because you have something to offer that this church needs. Almost every Sunday morning, when I come into this auditorium, I look at an audience. And my challenge is this. God, help me turn this audience into an army. I think of Napoleon who stood at a map and he pointed at China and he says, there lies a sleeping giant. And one of my personal frustrations is that I don't know what your talents and abilities are to build up the church, to change a culture and a community. And to be honest, that is a crying shame because the world loses and the church loses. And guess what? You lose. Well, how do I lose, Pastor George? You lose your reward and eventually you will lose your talents. This is a universal law of life and we all know it, don't we? If I don't use it, what? I'll lose it. Guess where that came from? That came from the Bible, Matthew 25, verse 28. Take the talent from him who didn't use it and give it to the one who has 10 talents. You see, God has the right to take away anything that you and I don't use for the right reason and in the right way. So this raises the question, how do I use them? Let me give you three things as we close. First, you estimate them. Take a look at Romans 12, verse three. Try to have a sane estimate of your abilities by the light of faith that God has given you. That means you need to do an assessment of your life and ask yourself, what am I good at? Number two, you dedicate them. You commit them to the Lord to use them as He intended them. Take a look at Romans 12, verse 1. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to His service and pleasing to Him. And so you come to God and you say, God, you gave me these abilities. I'm giving them back to you, and I want to use them in the right way. For the right reasons. And then number three, you cultivate them. That means you practice them. You improve them. You sharpen them. You develop them. Any ability that God has given you, folks, it can get better. Take a look at Ecclesiastes 10.10. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. Do you want to be successful in life? Get some skills. And with those skills, practice them again and again and again. So let me cut to the chase because we have a big celebration that we're going to kick off here in a few minutes. God made an investment in you. He gave you a shape. In this, in this message, he's given you some abilities. He thought about you before the foundations of the world. Think about that. Eons past, he, he He had you in mind. He thought about you. He made you. He shaped you. He came and died for you. Your first calling in life is salvation. He made an investment in you. And he expects a return. And my hope and my dream is like the Apostle Paul in Thessalonians where he says, who is my hope and joy of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of God? That's my joy. My hope truly is that you will be around the throne, worshiping him, and when he asks you, what did you do with what I gave you? I will hear you say, you know what? My pastor taught me to use my talents for the glory of God and for the good of others, and that's what I've done, and that is what I am offering to you, because I wanna hear him say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. That's what I dream for. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for your goodness towards our life. That you didn't leave us down here on this planet to aimlessly wander around, wondering what life is about. Through your spirit, you have impressed on our hearts that life is about knowing you and your son whom you have sent. And I trust this morning that you know him, not as a thought in your mind, but in your heart because you've got a relationship with him. If you haven't done that, I can't encourage you enough to say yes to Jesus Christ by just simply admitting, God, I've blown it, I know it, but I believe Jesus Christ is the answer for my life and right now I'm committing myself to him. That's all it takes. And if you haven't done that, will you? On your just communication, just say that prayer. I call it the ABC prayer. Admit, believe, confess say it in your heart and then on your communication card just write it down and let me know what decision you've made and I'll get back with you this week but God you haven't left us here aimlessly to figure out what life is about you've given us a shape and it is a great indicator of what your will is for our life and God we want to use it the right way for your glory, for the good of others. We want to do it for the right reasons, God. For the building up of the body of Christ, that it may become mature and complete, that it might fulfill the purposes for which you've intended it, to be the change maker that you've always wanted it to be. God, do a work.